After reciting the Tishrahud, Ta'awuz and Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih V, Ayyadahullahu Ta'ala bin Asrihil Aziz stated, Accounts from the life of Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq radiyallahu ta'ala anhu were being related two sermons ago. And it was mentioned that Suraka, in greed of the reward, also set out in pursuit of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. However, when the decree of Allah the Almighty created hurdles before him, at that time he requested the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, to grant him protection when he would come into rule. Furthermore, he also requested the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, for this to be in writing. There are various narrations in this regard. According to one narration, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, addressed him whilst he was returning and said, O Suraka, what shall be your state when the bangles of the Chosras shall be on your wrists? Suraka turned around in astonishment and stated, the Chosros, the son of Hurmas, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stated, Yes, Chosros, son of Hurmas. Hence, during the era of Hazrat Umar Khilafat, when the bangles, crown and girdle of the Chosros were brought before him, Hazrat Umar called for Suraka and stated, Now raise your hands. He then placed the bangles around his wrists and said, Proclaim that all praise belongs to Allah the Almighty who seized both of these from the Chosro, son of Hurmuz, and granted them to you. It is also mentioned that Suraka did not accept Islam during this migration, but did so when the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was returning from Hunan and Taif at a place called Jirana. Jirana is the name of a well located close to Mecca, and on the way towards Taif. On that occasion, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said to Suraka, that what shall be your state when you shall wear the bangles of the Chosros? In Sirat Khatam al-Nabiyyin, Hazrat Mizza Bashir Ahmad Sahib radiyallahu ta'ala has related this in the following manner. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, 
started off, but only a short time had passed when Hazrat Abu Bakr noticed that a man was racing his horse in pursuit of them. Upon this, Hazrat Abu Bakr worriedly said, O Messenger of Allah, a man pursues us. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated that do not worry, for Allah is with us. This pursuant was Suraka bin Malik, who describes the tale of his pursuance in the following words. He states that when the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, left Mecca, the infidels of the Quraysh announced that whosoever brings back the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, or Abu Bakr, dead or alive, shall be given such and such a bounty. And this announcement was given to us through their messengers as well. This is being related by Suraka himself. He continues that after this one day I was sitting in a gathering of my people, the Banu Mudlij, when one man from the Quraysh came to us and addressed me saying that I have just seen two people to the coast of the sea. And I perceive that perhaps they are Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and his companions. Suraka states that I immediately figured that this must be them. Following this, Hazrat Mizza Bashir Ahmed Sahib has mentioned the details of this incident, including Suraka's pursuit, the omen not showing in his favour, and also his horse sinking into the sand, all of which have already been mentioned. In any case, Suraka continues to relate that this entire ordeal led me to believe that this man's star is prosperous and that in the end, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, would be victorious. And so, in a gesture of peace, I said that your people have set such and such a bounty for your assassination or capture and people have planned such and such against you. And I also came with the same intention, but now I shall return. Then, with regards to further details about Suraka and the prophecy of the bangles of Chosros, Hazrat Mizza Bashir Ahmad Sahib writes that when Suraka was about to return, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said that what shall be your state when the bangles of the Chosros shall be on your wrists? Astonished, Suraka inquired that Chosros, son of Hurmas, the emperor of Iran? Yes, responded the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Suraka's eyes were left wide open in amazement. A Bedouin of the Arabian desert and the bangles of the Chosros, emperor of Iran. But look at the display of the power of truth. When Iran was conquered in the reign of Hazrat Umar anhu, the treasure of the Chosros came to the Muslims as spoils of war. And the bangles of the Chosros also came to Medina in these spoils. Hazrat Umar anhu summoned Suraka, who had become Muslim after the fall of Makkah, and put the bangles of the Chosros on his wrists, which were laden with precious jewels. Whilst mentioning this incident, Hazrat Muslim Aud radiallahu ta'ala anhu states 
that the Meccans announced the reward of a hundred camels for whoever caught Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, or Abu Bakr dead or alive. The announcement was made among the tribes around Mecca. And so, tempted by the reward, Suraka bin Malik, who was a Bedouin chief, started in pursuit of the party. Upon searching, he ultimately sighted them on the road to Medina. And upon seeing the two mounted camels, he realized that it was the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and Abu Bakr. And so he spurred on his horse after them. Hazrat Muslim Allah then mentioned the entire incident of Suraka's horse stumbling and falling and also him seeking an omen by throwing arrows. Hazrat Muslim Allah then continues that Suraka states that the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him rode with dignity and did not look back. Abu Bakr however looked back again and again evidently out of fear for the safety of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Then after mentioning the details of the incident whereby Suraka pursued after them, Hazrat Muslim ta'ala further writes, that just as Suraka was about to leave, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, received revelation from Allah the Almighty about the future events. And the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated to him, As Suraka, how will you feel when the gold bangles of the Chosros will be on your wrists? In utter astonishment, Suraka asked, Which Chosros? Chosros bin Hurmas, the Emperor of Iran? The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stated, Yes. Sixteen or seventeen years later, the prophecy was literally fulfilled. Suraka accepted Islam and went to Medina. And after the demise of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, first Hazrat Abu Bakr anhu, and then Hazrat Umar anhu became the Khalifas of Islam. The growing influence of Islam led the Iranians to attack the Muslims. But instead of defeating the Muslims, they themselves were defeated. The capital of Iran fell to the Muslims who captured its treasures including the gold bangles which the Chosros wore when he would sit on the royal throne. After becoming a Muslim, Suraka used to relate the incident of the migration with great pride. Thus, the Muslims were well aware that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, had stated to Suraka, as Suraka, how will you feel when the gold bangles of the Chosros will be on your wrists? When the spoils of the war were placed before Hazrat Umar anhu, he saw the gold bangles of Chosros and recalled that very incident. It was a time of weakness in which the Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was forced to leave his city and migrate to Medina. And the reason why Suraka and other men raced their horses in pursuit of him was so that they could somehow bring him back to the Meccans alive and acquire the reward of a hundred camels. It was in such a time that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stated, that Suraka, how will you feel with the gold bangles of Chosros on your wrists? How grand a prophecy this was and how manifestly clear was the news of the unseen.
When Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala saw the bangles of Chosra's before him, the power of God was visible before his eyes. He therefore sent for Suraka. And when Suraka came, Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala ordered him to put on the gold bangles. Upon this, Suraka stated that, O Khalifa of the Messenger of Allah, it is forbidden for Muslims to wear gold. Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala stated that this is true but not for occasions such as this one. Allah the Almighty had shown the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him that Chosro's gold bangles were on your wrists. Therefore either you will wear them now or then I will punish you. Suraka was only objecting out of deference to the Shariat. Otherwise he was as eager as anyone else to provide visible proof of the fulfillment of this great prophecy. And so Suraka put on the bangles and the Muslims witnessed with their very eyes the fulfillment of this grand prophecy. It is further mentioned that on his way back, Suraka encountered an envoy that was sent to seek out the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. They asked Suraka for any information about the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. But Suraka not only refrained from telling them anything, but he spoke to them in such a manner that caused them to halt their search. During this journey of migration, there is an incident recorded in reference to Umm Ma'bad which is as follows. It is said that during the journey of migration, the caravan of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stopped by a tent to acquire provisions for their journey. This was the tent of Umm Ma'bad, whose real name was Atika bint Khalid. She belonged to the branch of the Khuzar tribe from the Banu Kaab. And she was the sister of Hazrat Hubesh bin Khalid, who was a companion and had the honour of relating traditions of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Umay Ma'bad's husband was known as Abu Ma'bad, and it is said that he too had the honour of relating traditions of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. He passed away during the lifetime of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and the exact name of Abu Ma'bad is not known. The tent of Umay Ma'bad was located in Qudayd, which is a small village close to Mecca, located a few miles south of Rabik. This is also where the altar of the well-known idol Manat was located, and the people of Medina would worship this idol. Umay Ma'bad was a brave and strong woman who would sit by the front of her tent and feed those who passed by. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him and his companions, asked to purchase meat and dates from her but she did not have anything of what they required. At that point in time, the people of Umay Ma'bad were impoverished and drought-stricken. Umay Ma'bad said that if we had anything, we would not keep it from you. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, saw a goat in one corner of the tent and inquired, O Umay Ma'bad, what is the condition of this goat? She replied, This goat has been overcome by weakness to the extent that it cannot keep up with the herd. In other words, it was so weak that it cannot even go out to graze with the rest of the herd. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, asked, But does it give milk? 
She replied that it is so weak that it would be impossible for it to produce any milk. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then asked, Would you permit me to try and draw milk from it? She said that if you sense that she will give milk, then by all means, I do not have any objection to it. And so the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was brought the goat. He passed his hand over her udder, and with the name of Allah, the mighty and powerful, prayed for the goat of Umm Ma'bad to be blessed. The goat comfortably stood before the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and began to produce milk and ruminate. Then the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, sought a vessel from them, large enough to satiate an entire gathering. The goat produced so much milk to the extent that the froth overflowed from the vessel. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, offered the milk to Umm Ma'bad, who became fully satiated. He then offered the milk to his companions, who also became fully satiated. And after everyone else, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, himself drank from the milk and stated that he who serves others to drink should be the last to drink himself. After a brief pause, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, milked the goat once more until the vessel was full again. He left that vessel with Umm Mabad and purchased the goat from her and continued on his journey. It is written that on the one hand, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him and his exceptionally devoted companion who was with him on the journey, i.e. Hazrat Abu Bakr anhu, were journeying with the divine help and in the shade of protective angels. While on the other hand, the Meccans had not given up in their search. They continued in their pursuit of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And it so happened that the pursuit of a search party from the Quraysh led them to the tent of Umm Mabad. As soon as they disembarked from their horses, they began to inquire about the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Umm Mabad realized what was happening and stated that you are saying things that I have never heard of and nor do I understand what you people are after. As soon as this search party became more aggressive in their questioning, this brave and astute woman said that if you don't leave from here at once, then I will call upon the people of my tribe. And so they recognized the status of this woman and thus realized that it would be better for them to leave. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was still en route when he met Hazrat Zubair, who was returning along with a Muslim caravan of merchants from Syria. Hazrat Zubair presented the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and Hazrat Abu Bakr with white clothes. And in reference to this meeting, Hazrat Mizza Bashir Ahmad Sahib writes, On the way, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, met Zubair bin Al-Awam, who was returning to Mecca with a small party of Muslims from a trading expedition in Syria. Zubair gifted a white set of clothing to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and one to Hazrat Abu Bakr and stated that after my return to Mecca, I too shall soon join you in Medina. There is a narration in Bukhari which states that on the way many of the caravans that would pass by would recognize Hazrat Abu Bakr as he would often embark on trade journeys using those routes and they would inquire who he was with and Hazrat Abu Bakr would reply that he shows me the way. Hadhar Rajalu 
That is, that this person guides me to the right path. People would assume that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was his guide, whereas Hazrat Abu Bakr meant in terms of spiritual guidance. With regards to this, Hazrat Mizza Bashir Ahmad Sahib writes that since the profession of Hazrat Abu Bakr was that of a businessman, he would travel this route to and fro continuously, and most people recognized him but were not familiar with the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. As such, they would inquire of Hazrat Abu Bakr that who is the man ahead of you? And Hazrat Abu Bakr would respond, Hada Yahdini as Sabil. That is, he is my guide. They would think that he is a guide hired by Hazrat Abu Bakr to direct his route, but the actual intent of Hazrat Abu Bakr was something else. With regards to reaching their final destination, it is written that on the Monday, after travelling for eight days, with the help of God they finally reached Quba, which was en route to Medina. It is mentioned in Hadith that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was born on a Monday, he left Makkah on a Monday, he arrived in Medina on a Monday and passed away on a Monday. Quba was the name of a well and the village thus became commonly known as Quba, where the Ansar tribe of the Banu Amr bin Auf lived. This village was situated at a distance of two miles from Medina, and according to other opinions, Quba was situated at a distance of three miles from Medina and was also known as Alia bin Alia. The Muslims in Medina had heard about the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him's departure from Mecca, and so every morning they would go up to Harra and wait for him. Medina is situated between two Harras. A Harra is a dark stony terrain. Harra Waqim is situated at the east of Medina and is also known as Harra Banu Quraiza. And the other one is called Harra Tulwabra, which is situated at a distance of three miles from Medina. They would wait until the intense heat of the afternoon would compel them to leave. They would go in the morning and wait and then return in the afternoon. One day, the people of Medina waited for quite a while before returning. And as they reached their homes, a Jew climbed onto one of their forts in order to do some work and saw the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him and his companions who were wearing white clothes. And the mirage was moving away from them. Upon seeing this, the Jew could not hold back and loudly cried, that, O Arabs, here comes your leader who you are waiting for. Upon this, the Muslims rushed for their weapons and then met the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, in the plains of Harra. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, along with the rest of the companions, turned to his right and reached the village of the Banu Amr bin Awf. This took place on a Monday in the month of Rabiul Awwal. Hazrat Abu Bakr stood up for the people whilst the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, quietly remained seated. Those in Saad who had not previously met the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, came and offered their greetings of peace to Hazrat Abu Bakr. When the sun began to shine upon the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, Hazrat Abu Bakr stepped forward and created a shade for him with his mantle. It was then that people realized who the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, spent more than 10 nights in the village of Banu Amr bin Auf, and according to a narration of Bukhari, he spent 14 nights. 
and laid the foundation for the mosque regarding which it is stated that its foundations have been established upon taqwa, i.e. righteousness, and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, prayed inside it. According to this narration of Bukhari, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, spent more than ten nights in Quba, and according to another narration, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, spent four days in Banu Amr bin Auf, i.e. Quba, that is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday, and on Friday the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, left for Medina. And according to another narration, it is said that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, spent 22 nights in Quba. With regards to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him's arrival in Quba, Hazrat Muslim anhu states that after seeing of Suraka and having travelled some distance, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, arrived in Medina. The people of Medina were eagerly awaiting his arrival, and a more auspicious day could not have dawned for them, for the sun which had risen from Makkah had come instead to shine on Medina. The moment the people of Medina heard the news that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was no longer in Makkah, they were expecting his arrival. Parties of them would travel miles out of Medina to look for him every morning, and they would return disappointed in the evening. When the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, reached near Medina, he decided to stop for a while in Quba, which was a nearby village. A Jew saw their camels and realized that this was the caravan of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And so he climbed a hillock and shouted, O progeny of Kela! Kela was the name of one of the grandmothers of the people of Medina, and hence they were also known as the progeny of Kela. He stated that he for whom you waited has come. Everyone in Medina who heard this cry rushed to Quba, while the people of Quba were overjoyed at the arrival of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, in their midst. The utter simplicity of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, is illustrated by an incident which took place at this time. Most people in Medina had not seen the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, before. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was sat under a tree outside of Quba, and people rushed towards them from Medina. And since the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was sat in a most simple manner, many of them who were unaware took Hazrat Abu Bakr for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Hazrat Abu Bakr though younger, had a greyer beard and was wearing slightly better clothes than the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Hence, they would turn to him and sit in front of him with great respect. When Hazrat Abu Bakr saw this, he realized that people had made a mistake. And so he quickly rose and took his mantle and hung it against the sun and submitted, O Messenger of Allah, you are in the sun and I make this shade for you. In this subtle manner, he made plain to the people their error. Whilst mentioning the details of this incident, Hazrat Mizza Bashir Ahmad Sahib has referenced a narration of Bukhari and writes, there is a narration in Bukhari related by Bara bin Azib that I have never seen the Ansar as happy as they were at the arrival of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, to Medina on any other occasion. Tirmazi and Ibn Majah have related from Anas bin Malik that when the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, arrived, we felt as if Medina had become illuminated 
And on the day that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, passed away, the city of Medina never seemed darker. After meeting the people who had come to receive him, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, due to a reason which history has not recorded, did not enter the city directly. Instead, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, travelled out of his way to the right and went to an elevated habitation named Quba, which was situated at a distance of two to two and a half miles from the city. Various families of the Ansar resided here. Among them, the family of Amr bin Auf is distinct. And in that era, Gulsum bin al-Hidam was the chief of this family. The Ansar of Quba gave the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, a very warm welcome. And the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stayed in the house of Gulsum bin al-Hidam. And those Muhajireen who had already reached Quba prior to the arrival of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, were residing in the home of Gulsum bin al-Hidam and other nobles from among the Ansar. Perhaps this is the reason behind the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, deciding to first stop in Quba. In an instance, news of the arrival of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, spread throughout Medina, and all of the Muslims began to gather in troops at the residence of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, restlessly, in the fervour of their love. With regards to the construction of Masjid Quba, it is mentioned that when the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, arrived in Quba, he laid the foundation for a mosque which is known as Masjid Quba. It is mentioned in Sahih Bukhari that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, spent more than ten nights in the village of Banu Amr bin Auf and laid the foundation of a mosque regarding which it is stated that its foundations were laid on taqwa and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, also offered his prayers inside it. It is also mentioned in the narration that when the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, laid the foundation, he first placed a stone in the direction of the Qibla. Thereafter, Hazrat Abu Bakr placed a stone, and then Hazrat Umar placed a stone next to Hazrat Abu Bakr's stone. After this, the rest of the people began working on its construction. During the construction of Masjid Quba, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, would carry a stone tied to his stomach and it would be a very heavy stone and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, would then place it down. Others would come and would want to lift the stone but they would be unable to do so. Upon this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, would instruct them to leave it and to take another stone instead. In relation to Masjid Quba, it is mentioned that this was the very mosque whose foundations were established upon taqwa However, according to some other narrations, it is said that Masjid Nabwi is the mosque whose foundations have been established upon taqwa. It is mentioned in Sirat al-Halabiya that there is no contradiction in the two narrations because both mosques have been established upon the foundation of taqwa. And this view has been supported by Hazrat ibn Abbas radiyallahu anhumah. In his view, the foundations of all the mosques of Medina, in which Masjid Quba is included, were established upon taqwa. But the mosque regarding which the verse of the Holy Quran was revealed was indeed Masjid Quba. After spending 10 or 14 nights in Quba, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, left for Medina. 
On the way, when the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, reached the village of the Banu Salim bin Auf, it was a Friday, and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, along with the Muslims, offered the Juma prayers in a mosque situated in the valley of Ranuna, and the total number of people was a hundred. The valley of Ranuna is situated to the south of Medina. Ever since, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, offered his Juma prayer there. It is known as Masjid al-Juma. And this was the first Juma offered in Medina. And perhaps the mosque was built afterwards and was named Masjid al-Juma because the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, offered his Juma there. It is then mentioned that after offering the Juma prayers, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, mounted upon his camel and left for Medina. And he had seated Hazrat Abu Bakr anhu behind him. The greed of the reward made a lot of people pursue after the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. There is an incident mentioned in the books of history. Burada bin Husayb relates that when the Quraysh announced a reward of a hundred camels for whoever goes after the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and brings them back dead or alive, I was also tempted by greed. Subsequently, I set out with 70 riders from the Banu Saham and met with the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, asked me who I was, to which I replied, Buredha. Upon this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, turned towards Hazrat Abu Bakr and stated, O Abu Bakr, we have been granted relief and our matter has eased. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then stated, Which tribe do you belong to? I replied that the tribe of Aslam. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said, May peace be with them. He then asked from which progeny, to which I replied from among the Banu Sahm. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then said, O Abu Bakr, you are very fortunate. Burada then asked the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and who are you? The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied, I am Muhammad, وسلم, son of Abdullah, the Messenger of Allah. Upon this, Burada said, I bear witness that there is none worthy of worship except Allah, and Muhammad, peace be upon him, is his servant and messenger. Burada then accepted Islam, and also all those who were with him. Burada then stated that all praise belongs to Allah. The Banu Saham accepted Islam wholeheartedly without any compulsion. The following morning, Burada stated, O Messenger of Allah, you ought to enter Medina with a flag. He then took off his turban and tied it to a spear and began walking ahead of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and the Muslims then entered Medina. Regarding the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, entering Medina, Hazrat Anas bin Malik has narrated an account in Sahih Bukhari as follows. The Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, came to Medina and stayed in the upper part of Medina for 14 nights with a tribe called Banu Amr bin Auf. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then sent for the chiefs of Banu Najjar, who came armed with their swords. And I remember this incident as if I can see the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, riding his camel before my very eyes, 
and Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu was riding behind him and the chiefs of Banu Najjar were around him till he dismounted in the courtyard of Abu Ayyub. Mentioning this incident, Hazrat Mizza Bashir Ahmad Sahib radiallahu ta'ala anhu writes that after a stay of more than 10 days in Quba, on Friday the Holy Prophet peace be upon him set out for the heart of the city. A large party from among the Ansar and Muhajireen accompanied the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was riding a camel and Hazrat Abu Bakr was behind him. Slowly but surely this caravan began to advance towards the city. The time for Friday prayers arrived en route and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stopped in the neighbourhood of the Banu Salim bin Of. He delivered a sermon to his companions and led the Friday prayer. Historians write that although the Friday prayer had already begun, this was the first prayer service which the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, led himself, and thereafter the formal practice of the Friday prayer began. From this narration, it also suggests that the mosque was built later. And after completing the Friday prayers, the caravan of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, continued to slowly proceed further. When the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, would pass by the homes of the Muslims, in the fervor of their love, they would move forward and say, O Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, this is our home, and our wealth and lives are at your behest. We also possess means of protection. Please stay with us. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, would supplicate for their prosperity and slowly move towards the city. In the fervor of their happiness, the Muslim ladies and girls climbed the roofs of their homes and began singing, Tala'al badru alayna min saniyatil wada wajab shukru alayna ma da'a lillahi That today the full moon has risen upon us from the valleys of Mount Wada. For this reason, gratitude to Allah has become forever obligatory upon us. The Muslim children ran about in the streets and alleys of Medina singing, Muhammad, peace be upon him, has arrived. The Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, has arrived. To express their happiness upon the arrival of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, the Abyssinian slaves of Medina would move about demonstrating their feats of swordmanship. When the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, entered the city, every individual desired that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stay with him. Each and every person would advance to offer his services and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, would respond lovingly to everyone and move forward until his she-camel reached the neighbourhood of the Banu Najjar. At this place, the people of Banu Najjar stood in rows, decorated with arms to welcome the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. The girls of this tribe were reciting the following couplet whilst beating their drums, Nahnu Jawarim min Bani Najjar, Ya Habbada Muhammadan Minjar. The we are the girls of the Banu Najjar, how fortunate are we that Muhammad, peace be upon him, the Messenger of Allah, has come to stay in our neighborhood. With regards to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, calling over his family and the family of Hazrat Abu Bakr to Medina, Hazrat Muslim Ta'ala writes that a short while after arriving in Medina, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, sent his freed slave, Zaid, to Mecca to bring his family and relatives. The Meccans had been overwhelmed by the sudden and well-planned departure of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and his followers, and so for some time they stopped their cruelty to the Muslims. Owing to this, when the Prophet's family and the family of Abu Bakr left Mecca, they raised no objections. The two families reached Medina safe and sound, and in the meantime the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, laid the foundations of a mosque on the site he had bought, and after this he built houses for himself and for his companions. After migrating to Medina, Hazrat Abu Bakr stayed in Sunnah with Hazrat Khubair bin Usaf. Sunnah was the name of a place on the outskirts which was approximately two miles from Masjid Nabwi. 
Hazrat Khubay belonged to the Banu Haris bin Khazraj tribe. And according to one narration, it is mentioned that Hazrat Abu Bakr stayed with Hazrat Kharja bin Zaid. And according to some narrations, Hazrat Abu Bakr built his house and clothes mill in Sunnah and began trading from there. Inshallah, these accounts will continue in the future. At present, I would like to speak about some deceased members, among whom the first mention is of Chaudhry Asghar Ali Klar Sahib, who was imprisoned in the way of Allah. He was the son of Muhammad Sharif Sahib Klar from Bahawalpur. On 10th January, he became unwell whilst he was in prison, and he passed away in hospital. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. Verily to Allah we belong, and to him shall we return. In this way, he will be counted amongst the martyrs. According to the details, on 24th September 2021, he was, God forbid, charged under the blasphemy law under Section 295C at the Baghdadul Jadid police station in Bahawalpur. They instantly sanctioned Ahmadis under the blasphemy law. He was arrested on 26th September, after which the deceased remained in Bahawalpur jail. On 4th January, the deceased was transferred to Bahawalpur hospital after vomiting blood and received treatment at the hospital. However, on 10th January, just before the time of Fajr, he passed away in hospital whilst in a state of imprisonment. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. Verily to Allah we belong, and to him shall we return. At the time of his demise, he was 70 years old. On 8th January, there was a court hearing for Asghar Sahib's bail request. However, the police did not bring the records, owing to which the hearing was postponed to 11th January. However, before the verdict, the deceased passed away and met with his creator. Asghar Sahib was a prisoner in the way of Allah for three months and 15 days. In 1971, whilst he was still young, the deceased pledged allegiance and joined the Ahmadiyya community himself after completing his matriculation examination. He was the only Ahmadi in his family and had to face a lot of opposition due to it. However, he always remained steadfast. He obtained a master's degree in maths from FC College Lahore. During his studies, because he had accepted Ahmadiyyat, his parents stopped supporting him financially and placed a condition stating that they would only help pay for his studies if he left Ahmadiyyat. Despite this, he remained steadfast and paid for his studies by giving tuition to other children. Later on, upon seeing his steadfastness and righteousness, his father stopped his opposition. And one virtue on part of his father was that he feared that his son, who was an Ahmadi, would not be given his share from his inheritance, and so his father decided to transfer his share in his lifetime. By the grace of Allah the Almighty, the deceased gave a seer at a rate of one-eighth and would readily partake in financial initiatives. He would pay the full amount of chanda with the announcement of the new year. He had a sincere bond of love with Khilafat. Hospitality and respect for life devotees and guests from the central headquarters was a particular quality of his. He would offer his car to be used in the official Jamaat visits. He had a passion to propagate the message of Islam and would bravely invite others towards Allah the Almighty. Allah the Almighty enabled many righteous souls to accept the message of Ahmadiyyat and join the Jamaat through Asghar Sahib. 
Aside from being regular in fasting and the obligatory prayers, he was regular in offering the tahajjud prayers. He would look after the poor and was always willing to help and assist others. Despite opposition from his family members, he would help every single member of his family financially and was courteous towards them. The deceased had a deep yearning to attain martyrdom and Allah the Almighty fulfilled his wish in this way. Asr-Zaib's wife says that whilst he was in jail during a visit, he said that Allah the Almighty had conveyed the greetings of peace to him three times. He narrated another dream in which he saw his body leaving the jail. The deceased serve as Nazim Ansarullah, Zaymi Allah of Bahawalpur city, Secretary Dawat Ilallah, Secretary Waqf Jadid, Secretary Islaw Shah of the district. And at the time of his demise, he was serving as the Qazi of the district. Asghar Sahib is survived by his wife, two sons and one daughter. One of his sons is abroad and his daughter is in Canada. May Allah the Almighty shower his mercy and forgiveness on Asghar Ali Qlar Sahib and elevate his station. And may Allah the Almighty bestow steadfastness and patience to those who he leaves behind and enable them to follow in his footsteps. Also pray for others who have been imprisoned in the way of Allah and may Allah ensure the means for their release. The next mention is of Mirza Mumtaz Ahmed Sahib, who was a worker in Vakalat Uliya Rabba. He passed away at the age of 85. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. Verily to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. He was a Musi by the grace of Allah the Almighty. And Ahmadiyyat was established in his family through his father, Captain Dr. Sher Muhammad Ali Sahib, who accepted Ahmadiyyat in 1923. Mirza Mumtaz Ahmed Sahib began working as a clerk in the office of Amanat Tariq Jadid in April 1964 and served in this post for the remainder of his life, a span of 58 years. He was married to Majda Begum Sahiba, daughter of respected Chaudhary Muzaffardin Bengali Sahib, and Allah the Almighty blessed them with two sons and a daughter. His grandson Khalid Mansur writes, and my grandfather always encouraged us to continue serving the Jamaat. He would explain to us the importance of praying in congregation and enjoined us to do so. He says that after my father passed away, my grandfather never let me feel his absence. I always found him to be a friend and always saw him busy with Jamaat work. He was an exemplary friend, father and worker of the Jamaat. He treated everyone with love, compassion and kindness. He was very punctual and would highlight its importance. Sayyid Ahmad Sahib, one of the workers who had the opportunity of working alongside him, says that I had the opportunity to work alongside him for quite some time. He worked in a very meticulous manner and after completing his work, he would help his colleagues in their work as well. Lukman Saqib Sahib, a missionary, says that I observed that despite being physically frail, he would complete the tasks entrusted to him with efficiency and in an excellent manner. His memory remained remarkable until the very end, and he could immediately recall matters from many years ago and would specify which files they were 
and where they could be found. He appreciated decent jokes and would enjoy them, yet at the same time it was not in his nature to talk or converse unnecessarily. If there was some extra time after he had completed his work, he would remain seated in the office and go over some old files. Dr. Sultan Mubashir has also written that he was very humble and despite being a senior worker, he would always wait his turn and never expressed any haste when he visited the hospital. One of his great qualities was showing gratefulness and appreciation and he was also extremely patient. Despite enduring an extended illness which caused great discomfort, he never became impatient. His circle of friends was very small, it comprised a few friends from the office. I myself have seen him to be very quiet in nature and interacting with his close friends. And it was his routine to go straight home from the office and then from home to the office. He worked very hard and he lived his life with sincerity and loyalty. May Allah the Almighty grant him his forgiveness and mercy and may Allah the Almighty enable his children to carry on his virtues. The next mention is of retired Colonel Dr. Abdul Khaliq Sahib, who was the former administrator of the Fazli Umar Hospital. He recently passed away at the age of 97. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. Verily to Allah we belong, and to him shall we return. He was a Musi by the grace of Allah the Almighty. And Ahmadiyyat was introduced to his family through his father, Mia Muhammad Alam Sahib, who accepted Ahmadiyyat in 1919. And Dr. Abdul Khaliq Sahib accepted Ahmadiyyat in 1938. Whilst recounting the incidents surrounding his own birth, he states that our father had subscribed to Al-Fazl and I was introduced to Ahmadiyyat by studying that. Then in 1938, the three of us siblings accepted Ahmadiyyat. Our respected mother was regular in offering prayers and fasting and she also accepted Ahmadiyyat a short while after us. He further states that I went to Qadian for the first time on the occasion of Jalsa in 1939, which was also the Jubilee Jalsa, after which I would often attend the Jalsa. His wife passed away in 1987, and they had two sons and two daughters. One of his sons is Dr. Abdul Bari, who is the Amir of Jamaat Ahmadiyya in Islamabad. When the government of Bhutto issued the unjust ordinance declaring Ahmadis as non-Muslims in 1974, Dr. Zahib resigned from his government job and offered his services under the Nusrat Jahan scheme. In 1977, he was sent by the central headquarters to Sierra Leone, where he served humanity for three years. Then in 1992, PIA started flights to Tashkent, seeing this as an opportunity Dr. Saib requested to do Vakfiyarzi, i.e. temporary period of devoted service, in Tashkent and Uzbekistan. The central headquarters approved this request and he, along with his younger sister, travelled to Samarkand and Bukhara where they spent their Vakfiyarzi. During this time, he selflessly served humanity and also had the honour of spreading the message of Ahmadiyyat. In 1994, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih IV rahimahullah, appointed him as the administrator of the Fazli Umar Hospital in Rabwa, a post in which he served until 2005, a period of more than 10 years.
and various construction and expansion projects were completed during his time. Then it is mentioned, perhaps by one of his children, that despite being 80 or 81 years of age at the time, he had a youthful spirit of service. But at the same time, he was aware that old age was dawning upon him. And thus he wrote a request to me in 2005 for retirement. And thereafter, he officially took retirement. He then took up residence in Islamabad. And he also had the opportunity to serve as the local Qazi in Islamabad. His elder son, Dr. Abdul Bari, says that he was always mindful of his children's religious and moral training and he would recite the Holy Quran throughout the day and this was his favourite practice. He further states that whenever decisions had to be made in important matters, he would always decide in light of the Holy Quran. His son-in-law, Dr. Muzaffar Ali Nasir, who is the Naib Amir of District Varkand, says that to this day I have never seen anyone recite the Holy Quran as much as he did. He truly loved the Quran, and once, when he was discharged from the hospital, the staff were sad, saying that who would recite the Holy Quran to them? His regularity in offering tahajjud, whether in the winter or the summer, was exemplary for us. He had a deep love for Khilafat and the Jamaat, and he led a simple life and never complained. His brother's grandson, Abdus Samad Rizvi Sahib, writes that he endured every hardship and would give up his own happiness for the sake of attaining Allah the Almighty's pleasure. He further states that I had the opportunity of staying at his home in Rabwa on many occasions and his personality was a means for me to recognize the living God. The standard of his tahajjud prayers was exemplary and the honor and love for Khilafat was deeply rooted within him and this proved to be an excellent means for our moral training. Dr. Abdul Khalik, a doctor at the fazl umar Hospital, says that he was very kind to the young doctors at the hospital and would encourage the senior doctors to pay special attention to the younger doctors' training. He overlooked the finances of the hospital with honesty and care and he tended to the poor and needy by spending out of his own pocket. Dr. Ashraf Muhammad Ahmed says that he was extremely considerate, tender-hearted and forbearing. He was very kind and did not have the habit of speaking much. He further states that he kept a detailed watch over administrative matters and would ensure that principles were adhered to. He would encourage other doctors to undertake Vakfayarzi at Fazlumar Hospital, including his sons and his son-in-laws. May Allah the Almighty grant the deceased his forgiveness and mercy and enable his children to carry on his virtues. After the Friday prayers, I will lead these funeral prayers in absentia.